Locked on NBA, the biggest stories, the local experts. Every Monday, we dig into the biggest stories in the NBA with the Locked On Podcast Network hosts. Today, we'll stop in Minnesota to speak with Colton Molesky of Locked On Wolves about the developments in the Jimmy Butler situation, as well as the extension signed by Carl Anthony Towns. We'll go to Dallas, where Media Day has uh, has just been concluded, and speak with Nick Angstat of Locked On Mavs about Luka Doncic's position, Dirk Nowitzki moving to the bench, and the uh, conditioning of Dennis Smith Jr., and lastly, we'll go to Orlando to speak with Philip Rosman-Reich of Locked On Magic about the Magic's media day, about the front office's praise of Jonathan Isaac and what we can expect for this Magic team moving forward. It's all coming up. The biggest stories with the local experts on Locked On NBA. You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hi guys, and welcome back to Locked On NBA for another week. It's another Monday show, so that means I must be your Monday host, Josh Lloyd. I'm also the host of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast and the lead analyst over at BasketballMonster.com, the NBA. We're a week away from preseason games starting media day. Media days have begun across the NBA. We've still got the Jimmy Butler situation, which we're going to talk about at length in today's show. So lots to talk about. Let's get to it. It's time to bring in, once again, it's becoming a regular occurrence on this show. It is the host of the Locked On Wolves podcast, Colton Molesky. Last week, we spoke about uh, Jimmy Butler requesting a meeting with his unhappiness with the organization. Of course, since then, multiple things have happened with this franchise. Butler came in, requested a trade. We had uh, Tom Thibodeau saying he wasn't going to trade him. Glenn Taylor's come in and said, nah, not so fast, Tom. We are going to trade him. What's the latest with this Butler situation? Because it seems like uh, completely like a mess, really. Well, now, as I'm sure everybody's seen, they have the Towns deal, the extension done, $190 million for five years. So now that that is finished, uh, the team has moved off of it. So we're trying to retain Butler's stance to now we're trying to trade him as soon as possible, and they've allowed him to miss training camp as well. So he's not going to be in training camp for the Timberwolves. They're trying to move him. The hope was, it sounds like they're trying to move him by the end of the week. It looked like uh, John Krasinski of The Athletic was reporting that. And so... It seems like everything is, we got to get him out of here. The future is Carl Anthony Towns. The future is Wiggins. Uh, and we're sticking with these young guys. And, Town, and Butler wants to leave, so uh, we're going to get him out of here. And we're going to try and find a suitable trade partner. I saw, I believe it was yesterday, on um, Bleacher Report, that uh, the, the Cavaliers have shown a lot of interest in uh, in Jimmy Butler. Not one of those three teams that he listed as the teams that he wanted to be traded to, but... You know, if they can find any suitor where he's willing to sign an extension, that would be a huge get for the Timberwolves. Because, again, like we've seen so many times over the last couple of years, this is one of those tough situations for the team that has the guy that wants to be traded where they're trying to get something and they and everybody else kind of knows their hand already at the table. They know that they have to get rid of this guy. And so now you're trying to get value when other teams know that. 
the other team that you know, in the last hour or so as, as of the time of recording and literally by the time you listen to this podcast, this could have changed or, or could have actually uh, occurred is the Miami Heat being really aggressive uh, going after Jimmy Butler. So you can add the Clippers, you add the Knicks, you add the Nets. Now we've got the Cavs and we've also got the uh, the Heat in there with, uh, with Woj reporting that the Heat have been as aggressive as anybody in terms of being willing to or, or looking to get uh, Jimmy Butler. We've also heard reports, Colton, that the Wolves will be looking to add Gore Jeng into a deal as a as um to trying to dump his salary onto another team, but in terms of this whole, I mean, we talked about it last week in terms of you know which direction the team would go if it was a decision of you know Butler or, or, or Thibodeau, um, you know, that the Thibodeau would likely be the one to be gone. But of course, that's you know Butler's the one that's gone. He's he's gone. There's no doubt about that. But what does this mean for 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 uh, Tom's future with this organization? Organization, even uh, General Manager Scott Layden as well. Uh, with the the owner going over their heads and saying, well, what you know, basically they're telling them what you're saying is wrong, and everyone needs to come to me for this trade discussion. Are they going to actually be here to start this season? Uh, I think they'll be there to start the season. I think it, the it shows how dissatisfied the front office and the owner has been with the production of Tibbs, especially as a front office man. I, I I think that it's putting him back into the coaching seat and saying, all right, you know what? There's a lot that needs to get fixed both on and off the court for this team, your locker room, how this team is performing, the minute distribution, how many guys are, are seeing key roles, the versatility of uh, in creativity of how you are are kind of setting up this team for success in basketball games, you need to get back to coaching and figure out this team. And you got a lot of pressure on you to to make this work with the roster you have and to be more creative than you were last year. And it's a clear move from the organization that says Tibbs needs to get back into the coaching chair and get out of the GM chair, which I think is a, a better move. I think you see a lot of times that uh, the coaching D- GM duo usually doesn't work. And to have the coach go back, you saw this with Doc Rivers last year. They said they, they don't want him to be the GM anymore. He needs to focus on coaching. And you know what? The Clippers had a surprisingly solid year and were in contention for that eighth seed uh, uh, for the playoffs for a few months there without even Blake Griffin on the roster. And you saw that him using more young guys than he ever has before and him being more creative with his lineup. I think that hopefully that's kind of what you're anticipating out of Tibbs is, all right, you know what? We're going to be handling the Jimmy Butler situation. you got to get back into coaching. you got to figure out how to run this team the best way it could possibly run this season. And I think that's the message that the, the front office is trying to send Tibbs. And so hopefully he responds kind of the way that Doc Rivers did last year and get some more youth involved in this team, get a bunch of those promising guys off the bench involved in the rotation. And hopefully it works out for the better for these Timberwolves. Uh, But it's all really a toss-up. Also, uh, you mentioned Gorgie. I I like that move just because this summer, there's going to be a lot of free agents this summer. And so if you can free up some cap space, and now you have two guys signed through a lot of years in Wiggins and Towns, and now you can entice maybe another free agent. Hey, come over here and play for three years. We've got a solid core of young guys, and one more all-star can really make this team interesting. I like trying to free up some cap space if you've got to give away an all-star talent in Jimmy Butler. 
The town's extension, we touched on it already, but it appears to me, and we know there's there's friction between Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns. There's many rumors as to what the cause of this friction is, which I'm not going to get into uh, here at this point, but it appears that you know, we'd seen the lagging of Towns signing this extension. And I think one can only look at it and, and try and not necessarily read into it, but go, well, was the reason that Towns was waiting to sign this extension the fact that he said, I don't want to sign this extension if Butler is around and the timing of it that like Glenn Taylor's coming out, we are trading Jimmy Butler and then the next day Towns are signed to an extension. That can't be a coincidence, can it? No, uh, it, it, it's not a coincidence. And like I said on the Lockdown Wolves show, uh, right away when you heard that Jimmy Butler was asking for a trade, uh, whatever the team tries to do as far as keeping Jimmy Butler, what I said right away was you have to, have to, have to get Towns on an extension. You have to get that deal done. And so it was good to see them get fully behind Towns. And uh, if you're going to part with one of your superstars, I think your other one in Towns has to be around for the long haul. And they got that deal done, which is good. Uh, I also think that, if you saw flashes, uh, uh, if you just watched the Towns tape from last year, from December to mid-January, and then when Butler was injured that first week and a half of the Butler injury uh, to finish out the season, if you just watched those clips, you would say this is probably one of the top guys, one of the most dominant players in the NBA, the way he was controlling and taking over games. And, and he's definitely a top 10 talent. And so if you can get him to play like that more consistently and to run more of the offense and when he's hitting his defensive stride, run some of the, the defensive stuff and, and get the, the defense around him, then I think that you have a real shot to be the playoffs. I don't think that this is a throwaway year by any means for the Timberwolves. I think that you've just got to be smart. You've got to be creative. And Towns needs to reach that elite potential more consistently throughout the season than just for uh, about a two-month stretch. He needs to do it every few games. I want you to indulge my conspiracy theory brain a little bit. I've talked about the the unhappiness between uh, Towns and Butler. And, and one thing that was a big criticism is Andrew Wiggins and, and his performances last year. But one thing I've noticed over the course of maybe the last three to four seasons is that players who take a significant drop in their free throw percentage, I'm talking like 10 percentage points, which is what happened to Wiggins last season, it is often tied in with a level of unhappiness in the playing environment, whether that's a locker room issue, whether it's the way they're being treated by a coach. And we saw that with Wiggins last season. So we saw the issue with, with his brother, Nick Wiggins, and the response to the Jimmy Butler trade request. But is there something in it, not only in absorbing more of Butler's usage when he's gone, but an actual level of happiness with Wiggins and you know, being more engaged and feeling more of a part of it that he felt, you know, even though he still took a ton of shots and, and all that last season, but it clearly did impact his confidence and his uh, aggressiveness on the court, just having Butler there with that off-court friction. Yeah, I think that yeah, I don't think that that's far-fetched at all. I think that that had a big impact to do with it. I think that there's going to, I think that there's a lot of potential for like a, a 30 for 30 on this team, like 12 years down the line <laughs> about how weird the locker room situation is. And we're going to, I feel like this is one of those years where uh, the athletic or bleacher reporter, somebody has two or three stories in next January, February about how all the Timberwolves young guys are coming forward and saying how much better the locker room is now and how they, they feel like they can be themselves or, or something like that. I just feel like the locker room situation was so strange before. And I'm a big Jimmy Butler guy, but I, I don't think that the coaching staff is, was in a, is in a good enough spot where you can have 
uh, Jimmy Butler being as intense as he was and the young guys try and cope with that. I don't think that the coaching staff is in a good enough spot where they can come alongside and try and kind of pair those two together. I, and so the, you saw the result of it was there was a lot of friction. And I think the good coaching staffs know how to handle that friction. And I just don't think the Timberwolves coaching staff is strong enough to do that at this point. And so uh, hopefully you see a spike in production uh, now that Wiggins is kind of out from underneath Jimmy Butler. Now that Towns is leading this team as the sole number one at the head of this team. Uh, I also think that if you're doing your job as a Timberwolves coaching staff, you're looking and saying, all right, you know what? We've got to rethink some things. Last year did not go as good as it could have, even though we got to the playoffs. We've got to rethink some things, put some guys in better positions. And so I'm expecting them to put Wiggins because he's making so much money and because he's on that max deal. Now you got to put him in better situations to succeed too. So I think I'm, I anticipate him to take the Jimmy Butler kind of mid range role more now in this offense and you see him and his three-point attempt numbers go down as well there's one thing we know about tom thibodeau is that he is definitely amenable to being flexible so yeah wholesale change is definitely coming his way he is uh, the most flexible coach in the nba and this of course is dripping with sarcasm (laughs) colton this is the biggest story in the nba so when stuff goes down when things break everyone needs to make sure they're checking out locked on wolves you'll have the info you'll have the inside scoop so thanks again for jumping back on locked on nba and who knows you might be back here next week after a jimmy butler trade has gone down absolutely i always happy to jump on the show uh make sure to check out locked on wolves will have a show up tomorrow we still have you can still check out the show where i'm breaking down uh post jimmy butler kind of that world what it looks like for the timberwolves from last week and uh, I'm glad to come on and talk to you about an extension instead of about a player wanting to get traded. That's nice. A nice change of pace. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Colton. Guys, we all love a night out. Whether it's a sporting event, a concert, theater, play, comedy, whatever it is, everyone likes going out and seeing things live and in the flesh. And with Vivid Seats, you can attend that concert or show or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all live events that you want to go to. You can sort it by price. You can even look for the seats in the section or row that you want to go to. You want to go see an NFL game, NBA preseason. We're talking a week away from the NBA preseason. but go So go and check out those seats over on Vivid Seats. And to make things even better for you, listeners to this podcast get an exclusive deal. $20 off any order over $200 or more for any new customer. Go to the App Store. Go to Google Play. Download the Vivid Seats app and use the promo code Locked On. That's one word, Locked On, to save $20 on any order of $200 or more as a new customer. Every purchase is backed by 100% buyer guarantee. So for whatever it is, sporting events, concerts, use Vivid Seats, download the app, and enter that promo code Locked On to save $20 off any order of $200 or more. Let's bring in one of the hosts of the Locked On Mavs podcast. That is Nick Angstad. The media days have started for many teams around the NBA Dallas has had. There's and quite a few interesting things coming from Rick Carlisle and the Dallas Mavericks at their, their media day. Nick, what well, I think probably the, the in, most interesting one is the uh, the likelihood, or the, or the very uh, very high likelihood, that we're going to be seeing Dirk Nowitzki come off the bench for the first time in his 20-year NBA career. What's the um? We, we, we've discussed this, you and me, previously, thinking that was probably the way they were going to go, but we still weren't sure with Dirk's legacy with this team. How's the, uh, I guess, the news that Dirk is going to be taking on an even smaller role now being uh, received uh, in Dallas? Yeah, I think it's being received 
well. I think people have been, you know, ready for this for a while. <laughs> I think, yeah, obviously, people still love Dirk. People still, you know, go crazy for him. He still gets the biggest ovation when he's when he used to be at least announced in the starting lineups. He, you know, people all still, you know, get on their feet and give him like a standing ovation every single time he gets announced at the AAC. But I think. Uh, people are excited. You know, there, there's enough excitement that it warrants Dirk going to the bench. You know, if this was three or four years ago and he's getting benched for like Al Farouk Amino, you know, or somebody <laughs> like that, or like Chandler, Chandler Parsons even, you know, you're not getting too excited about that. But you have, you know, the Wonder Boy. You have Luka Doncic, and he's essentially pushing Dirk out of the out of the starting lineup, and uh, and DeAndre Jordan too. Both of those two guys. You know, you add two starters in the offseason, and that gets a fan base pretty excited. So the fan base is excited about that. As far as you know, like the the media and how how we're kind of receiving it. And, you know, obviously, like you said, we had talked about it before, you know, this iteration of the starting lineup being what it is. Um, the thing that held us back from it so much, and this literally happened to my co-host on Lockdown Maps, Isaac Harris. We were at a practice last year and it was towards the end of the year. And, you know, the Mavericks were obviously completely out of it. And he had suggested, you know, he t- was in a media scrum with Carlisle and he said, you know, well, have you ever considered, you know, Dirk coming off the bench? Do you think maybe that kind of a role would be, you know, good for him or something like something along those lines about Dirk? He mentioned Dirk coming off the bench. Rick Carlisle looked right at Isaac, right in his eyes. And he doesn't do this often, like as far as making eye contact with somebody. But he looks Isaac right in the eyes and he goes, you are talking about a 13 time all star. You want me to bench the best player in franchise history, a legend, one of the best players in NBA history. You want me to bench that guy? It was almost like if you've seen The Dark Knight, it was almost like when that guy comes to uh, Morgan Freeman and he goes, I think that you know Bruce Wayne is the Batman. I found these plans and blah, blah, blah. All this R&D money is going to this. And Morgan Freeman looks at him and he says, you think the most powerful man is sneaking out at night and fighting crime and your plan is to blackmail this person? Like It was almost like he shut him down that hard. And so he just shut it down and said as long as – and Rick Carlisle said last year, as long as Dirk Nowitzki is – with the Mavericks and I'm coaching the Mavericks, he will start. And so it, to us, it just seemed unequivocal that he would do it. And so it is, it is kind of a shock. I think um, we all kind of saw this coming as far as Dirk's side. He's been saying for years and dropping hints that he would, you know, that he would be okay coming off the bench and that he thought that role would be good. But Carlisle has just been so against it. So part of me wonders if this came from on, on high, as far as, you know, whether it's marketing or something like that, that wanting to start the, you know, the wonder boy, basically. The interesting thing, I, I guess here with Doncic. Is is he comes across with that? Um, I guess that reputation of you know, being this point guard from Europe. People are like, "Oh, how's he going to be able to guard point guards? No athleticism, all that sort of stuff." And Carlo just comes out and is basically like, "Well, no, screw that. We're going to play him at power forward," which is because <laughs> yeah. you know, he, he's, he's a strong rebounder, he's a big body, and that really. Then I don't think many coaches in the NBA would really have thought of positioning Doncic in that way, but it does. You, know, you can initiate offense from any position. We've seen LeBron James initiate it from the power forward and small forward spots for years and years and years. He's going to be playing alongside Dennis Smith, but playing him at power forward, he's big enough and he's strong enough to handle a lot of power forwards in the NBA. So that's. I think something that people would be surprised about, and that Doncic isn't a power forward, what are you talking about? He can't play the four, but that's exactly what Carlisle is looking at because he can handle it. So that was an interesting thing for them to come out and say, that's the way we're looking at this lineup. 
Yeah, you can't call you can call Carlisle a lot of things, but you can't call him rigid about you know positions at least. He's been he's been very open to you know starting these multi guard lineups, and even last year, I mean, we've talked about it over and over again. I feel like, but the the most effective lineup on the Mavericks was their bench unit. It had JJ Barea, Yogi Ferrell, and Devin Harris, all three of them playing. All three of them on any other team would be considered solely point guards, and that's kind of it. Not many not many coaches would have played two of those guys together, let alone all three of them. And then with those three was a Dwight Powell and Dirk Nowitzki, um, who a lot of people would say those guys are just power forwards. Dirk obviously now and you know his career was kind of stuck at the five, but Carlisle is not married to positional you know positions the way that the NBA and the way that uh, we know them. You know, as far as the five different positions, he likes to throw people all over the place, and uh, it really is you know whatever matchups come up is who's going to defend who. I'm, I'm, I think that Luka Doncic and Harrison Barnes are going to switch a lot back and forth. Uh, and it really depends on, you know, <laughs> who guards who. And that's, that's kind of where you really care about positions is who's guarding who. And you start to look across the NBA and you say, man, well, how many guys are you really concerned about Doncic or, or even Harrison Barnes guarding? You're like, well, there's Blake Griffin. There's like a Zach Randolph, but you don't really care about Sacramento. You know, you start just start looking around, and there's just not a ton of guys that you're really concerned about. Yeah, I've been saying that for yeah you know, a huge amount of time. We've picked players who are the threes, and I don't want to play the four and four, saying I don't want to play the five. And my thought is, if all of you guys who don't don't want to play a position, <laughs> if you all just play up a position, you'll just be against the same guys, but just in in a, yeah, in right. a different spot on the in the court, and it makes absolutely no difference. The last thing I think that was interesting, or one of the one of the other things that came interesting out of Media Day, was Rick Carlisle's praise of Dennis Smith and his uh, his conditioning and his strength. Really talking Smith up. He had his struggles last season, but uh, Carlisle coming in saying that he's you know, significantly better in terms of his conditioning. Um, did that stand out to you? Did you think there was any issues with Smith and his conditioning last season? Yeah, I didn't think that that was a big deal. Um, we're hearing a lot more from mostly just from you know media types and some fans, but that Luca is you know fat. We had we had a whole podcast I called "Is Luca Fat?" and other dumb questions. Um, but that his conditioning was kind of something that was a, in, in question now. But Dennis's was never. I mean, Dennis is a guy that can jump over yeah. pretty much anybody listening to this podcast, and uh, you know his conditioning was never in question. But Carlisle said. Uh, he actually answered this when he was talking about Lucas conditioning. He said, you know, all rookies come in and they have work to do. You know, there's they've you know only been with you know college trainers or overseas trainers. And they haven't been with the best of the best. And uh, Dennis Smith Jr. came in this year and he's four to five times in better shape, which that's kind of amazing to me. Four to five times in better shape. How do you quantify that? First, first of all, it's, that seems a little decided. bit of an exaggeration. I know. right? <laughs> like, how, but if he is. Uh, he knows his role now. Dennis, I think, understands that he's going to be there for a lot of outlet passes. He's just basically, as soon as somebody gets a rebound, he's just going to dart down the floor. He's not even going to, I don't think he's going to sit around and wait for somebody to, you know, hand him off the ball and let him walk up the court like a normal point guard. I think he understands that that's what he's going to do. And Carlisle, I think, has been, you know, big on that too. He's, he says that Dennis was Jr. is the fastest point guard that he's, you know, I, he thinks he's the fastest player in the NBA right now. It's going to be interesting to see this Mavericks team you know, coming into this season. It looks like we're going to have things change up, maybe a faster pace, more ball movement, more threes. Obviously, Doncic playing alongside Smith and Matthews and Barnes, you know, new starting center. There's plenty of exciting things here for Mavs fans. And of course, Nick, you and Isaac are going to have everything covered over on the Locked On Mavericks podcast. So thanks again for jumping onto Locked On NBA and talking about the, the beginning of uh, the season there for Dallas. Yeah, for sure. So if you want to listen about more uh, Luka Doncic stuff, by the way, last week I went through and uh, looked at a lot of our numbers and we got a, a massive 
um, influx of Serbian listeners. So I don't know how that happened. But yeah, geez, so <laughs> you that's to- uh, really really interesting how that uh, how that may have gone down. Go and go and check out uh, the uh, the Maverick shows from last week for all your Luka Doncic needs. Nick, thanks again. No problem. Locked On NBA never went away and is still here for you every day. Locked On NBA is your daily national NBA podcast. Every Monday, get the local experts on the biggest stories and then stay with Locked On NBA all week long with daily 30 minutes on everything going on in the NBA. Follow for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play the podcast Locked On NBA. Lastly, I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Magic podcast. That is Philip Rossman Reich. The Magic are one of those teams who has had their media day come and go. Some interesting things coming out of that, uh, Phil, with uh, President Jeff Weltman uh, looking uh, really, I guess, glowingly or, or speaking glowingly about Jonathan Isaac as he heads into his second season. Was that the, the biggest standout to you from Magic Media Day? Uh, yeah, I, I think I think that's uh, certainly one of the big storylines coming into the season. Obviously, the Magic are kind of shifting their focus a little bit of believing that they have something of a core with with Isaac very much at the center of it. And the Magic didn't get to see a lot of him on the court last year. They saw a good bit of him during Summer League. And, and as I like to tell everyone, Summer League's really the midpoint of the summer. It's not the, the end, end point of the summer. And so I think they're very excited and interested to see what Isaac can be now and, and what they hope will be his first fully healthy year here in the NBA. So do you think that they're looking at him, you're giving this glowing praise, and we saw it last season, them playing him alongside Gordon, alongside Vucevic. We know they drafted Muhammad Bamba this season. Do you think they're looking at Isaac coming in and being the three for this team, being that guy that they can you know, build around on the wing as a, as a tall, long, athletic defender who does have some significant offensive upside? I think they're hopeful that that's ultimately where he's going to be. I mean, I think uh, more so than Aaron Gordon, they they see Isaac as, as having a lot of those kind of small Fordish skills. Um, you know, they're they're going to use the same line that I think a lot of teams are using these days. That there really isn't much of a difference between the two forward positions anymore. And so I think they see Isaac as being capable of taking guys off the dribble or or working to get his own shot off the perimeter, but. You know, they're not really going to know until he's able to get out there in training camp. I mean, they've obviously seen probably a little bit of him during the the optional workouts and pickup games at the Amway Center. Um, But they're really not going to know much until they see him get out there in the preseason and then, of course, during the regular season as well. So it, it might be a little bit of a slow transition to get Isaac into those lineups. But ultimately, I think that's the direction they see this team going. What did you make of Clifford? You're really focusing on Aaron Gordon's defense and, and you know, sort of looking at him as setting a goal, perhaps, of being an all-defensive type player, um, whereas last season he was handling so much of the offensive load. Like if he's focusing, I guess, more defensively, where does that leave the offense on this team? Or is that just you know, lip service that the coaches, especially defensive-minded coaches like Clifford, uh, are paying us in, uh, in uh, the uh, media day or the September portion of the season? No, I, I think the focus on Gordon's defense is a real one. Um, you know, I, I think even Aaron Gordon at one point admitted that that he kind of let the rope go a little bit defensively last year. Didn't have quite the year defensively that he had hoped last year as he focused more on, on his offensive game. And and I think what Clifford is, is getting at here is to say, look, to, to be one of the elite players, to be the kind of player that, that you say you want to be, you've got to be able to do it all. You've got to be able to carry the, the large scoring burden, which which you proved to some extent that you could do last year, and, and that's a part of your game that, that should continue to grow. But Gordon has incredible defensive potential, and the Magic have seen that. It's not just uh, a matter of, of Steve Clifford saying it. it. 
Gordon had carved out a reputation as, as one of the growing young defenders in the league, in my opinion. I remember a game uh, during the, the ill-fated small forward experiment in 2017 where Aaron Gordon held James Harden to something like four of 17 shooting or six of 17 shooting, something that was really, really impressive. And it was really one of the best defensive performances I've seen on Harden in a very long time. Gordon has that ability in him to be an elite-level defender. He's obviously taken on more offensive roles, so maybe that has scaled back a little bit. But now with another great defender, perhaps in Jonathan Isaac behind him, uh, maybe even Mohamed Bamba growing into that role, Gordon said, I can be a little bit more aggressive defensively, and so maybe that will unleash his defensive potential, which we all see that he has through through the athleticism and, and even some of the testing that he's done during the offseason with P3. Some interesting things coming out of that media day. One of the things, the last one I want to touch on here with you, Philip, is is the, the fact of Steve Clifford saying that he could perhaps envisage seeing Vucevic and Bumba playing together. That seems rather clunky as, as a fit. But does that indicate that perhaps we're going to see even more stretch in Vucevic's game? Because we, we saw him take that out a little bit more last season. Is that what that seems to be implying to you? Uh, you know, I, I'm still not 100% sure what, what that means. Um, you know, uh, J- uh, Steve Clifford gave another interview with with uh, Josh Robbins, Orlando Sentinel, where Josh Robbins asked him specifically about using Vucevic and, and, and what his role will be within the offense. And and Clifford seemed to say it's going to be both. Uh, he's a really good post-up player uh, that, that they want to get the ball to in the post more. It's, uh, you're right, it's a part of this game that he went away from a lot last year. But he's also probably one of the better passing big men in the league that that no one really talks about. Uh, and he's got that jumper and that three and a developing three point shot. You know who knows where it's at these days. Uh, and so they don't mind using him on the perimeter. I, I kind of see the idea of playing him with Bamba together. It's going to be an experiment. If it doesn't work, they'll, they'll scrap it pretty quickly. Uh, but I kind of see that as maybe the Magic are more willing to put Vucevic in the post more. Because Bamba right now, his offensive game, especially in the low block, is going to be very limited. So if they're confident that Bamba's three-point shot is developed or his jumper is developed enough, that they can use him a little bit more of a, as a floor spacer and keep Vucevic in the post, maybe that that can work too. Obviously, the fit doesn't seem quite as good. I, I don't know if Bamba's as agile as, as even Serge Ibaka was, and that fit didn't work out very well, obviously, for Orlando. It may just be Clifford being willing to, to try new ideas to get his rookie on the floor with lineups that he feels he might be successful with or with good players because the Magic may not have a lot of those coming off the bench. Um, but uh, but it, it may just be an effort to, to get Bamba on the floor and just kind of see what works with him and what his skills can do. It, it's it's going to be a little bit of an experiment, I think, for a lot of these lineups with the Magic. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll be checking to see how all this works out, the progress of John Isaac, the debut of uh, Mohamed Bamba and how Aaron Gordon, uh, I guess, adjusts to even a, a larger role this season. Philip will have all this covered over on Locked On Magic, the preseason. We're a week away from that kicking off. Phil, thanks for coming on Locked On NBA and talking about the Magic. No problem. Happy to be on here. And that does it, wrapping up another episode of Locked On NBA, your Monday edition in the books. Make sure you're staying tuned the rest of the week and checking out the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, NFL, Major League Baseball, College Sports, and of course, we've got a podcast covering your team every day in the NBA as well. My name is Josh Lloyd. Follow me on Twitter at RedRock underscore B-Ball and do the same with our Twitter account at Locked On NBA Net. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.